good morning. Grace and peace to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, church, for trusting me to come and that I would rightly handle the Word of God from this pulpit. And thank you, Jesus, for willingly going to the cross for my sin. You will recognize quickly that this is a familiar verse that, that I'll be sharing from. And this is God's Word. This Word is inerrant. This Word is all we need for teaching, for reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God be equipped for every good work. This, work, this Word is all we need for life and for godliness. This message I'm sharing this morning is a reminder to all of us who call ourselves Christians, Christ followers, that the King of Heaven calls His disciples. And I thank you for putting together this worship music this morning because a lot of the, the music that we sang, the worship that we sang was related to the King of Heaven calling His followers to follow Him by faith alone. If you would, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 this morning. Matthew chapter 4, and we'll be reading from verse 17 through 22. And again, I've titled this message, The King of Heaven Calls. I'll give you a moment to get there. If you have a tablet or phone, or and I, would, I enjoy hearing that, right? As you scurry to... To the word. So let's read Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 through 22. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You see, we, we all, as humans, do one thing very well, it seems. We forget things. I'm sure that I was given something this morning by my wife to do, to tell someone to pick up from the store, or a task at work that I was supposed to do that I forgot. How about you? Just like we forget the task that we're supposed to do, we often forget as Christians what has been done for us. And simply that we need to be reminded the simple truth, the simple truths of the gospel. We need to be reminded that Christ called us by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to believe in Jesus Christ for salvation and that He is who He says He is according to the Scriptures. So this morning I have four things for us from this text. The King of Heaven calls His people to do. 
Notice I said to do, since we are to be doers of the word, not just hearers only, as our brother James tells us. And firstly, the king of heaven calls sinners to repent, as we read in verse 17. And secondly, Jesus commands his, us, his followers, to follow him. And thirdly, Jesus calls the obedient. And lastly, asking the question, in the form of a question, are you faithful to this call from Christ? But before we get to these points, we need to see something basic from the text. The fact that Jesus is calling His followers to make disciples. I'm preaching from the ESV version this morning, and above my text it says, Jesus calls His first disciples. We often forget this simple truth and, and need to be reminded. Like I said earlier, you know, simply because we are forgetful. We need to be reminded that Christ died on the cross in place of our sin. And because of this great exchange, those who have repented and believed in Jesus Christ for salvation have been given eternal life as a gift. As Christians, we often forget the simplicity that once we have been saved, we have been given the imperative to go and to make disciples. There's a familiar verse, Matthew chapter 18, or Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. It says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. This command, this imperative, we often forget to simply go and make disciples. It's here we come to the first point of this message, that the King of Heaven calls sinners to repent. It's straight from the text. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, verse 17. The ministry of Jesus and, and the disciples is to take this message calling people to repentance. And Christian, this is our mandate as well, to, to go and call people. To, we have to use our words to call people to repent and to believe in the gospel. So simply, what, what is repentance, we might ask? I like how Wayne Grudem has defined repentance. He said, repentance is a heartfelt sorrow for sin. A renouncing of it and a sincere commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience to Christ. So let's unpack this, this statement he has made here for a moment. A heartfelt sorrow for sin, he says. This means our sin should bother us. And we should have a desire to put it off and to put on Christ Jesus. Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, in attitude, in nature found in His Word. Grudem reminds us it's a renouncing of it, right? This is a declaration saying, I'm no longer going to do this anymore. I'm now going to follow God and His Word instead of doing whatever that was. Yes and amen, God is sovereign, but it requires something of us. 
again, to be doers of the word, not just, not just hearers only. Grudem says, furthermore, and a sincere commitment to forsake it, he says. He's saying here, we must commit ourselves, our entire lives, to the killing of sin. Putting off sin. And trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. According to the Apostle Paul, we can either be destroying sin, or our sin will destroy us. Continuing in sin is a, a serious and dangerous matter. True believers hate sin and want to overcome it. True believers want to put sin to death. The ministry of Christ's followers is to make disciples so that the gospel can be advanced for the glory of God. It's also important that Christians be in worship with other believers. Devoting themselves to the word being taught. To the fellowship and the breaking of bread. And to prayer. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And you remember too, not too long ago, it wasn't a habit for everyone to meet together. I don't have to remind anyone what that was and point it out by name. We all know what started this, right? This, this time frame where we didn't have a habit of meeting together in church. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 reminds us not to neglect to meet, meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Brothers and sisters, you're not large in number, but you are mighty. Mighty because you have not neglected to meet together as it is the habit of some. Mighty because you continue week in and week out to encourage one another in the faith. To pray for one another as it's being taught to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You're doing these things in fellowship with one another. You showing up is an encouragement to one another. See, I'm not, I'm not your, your pastor. But it's an encouragement to me to see you all here with the desire to worship the one true and living God. But also hear this, our goal is not to develop just church sideliners, right? But Christ followers committed to the work of ministry. And secondly, Jesus commands us to follow him in verses 18 and 19 again. He says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So simply, why does Jesus ask these men to follow him? Just follow me. Jesus does them, does this. So he can show them what it looks like to make disciples. This is our model of what discipleship looks like. He is God in the flesh now. He is the standard by which we are supposed to live out this life. Jesus is saying, follow me and I will first show you how to be a disciple. And to be a disciple maker. A fisher of men, he said. He is giving his time to them, his talents to them. 
teaching them all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory. Looking at the word them in verse 19. Let's focus on that for a moment. The most, thing, most amazing thing about them, these fishermen, is there was absolutely nothing amazing about them at all. They were simple men. They were ordinary. They were hard-working men. And Jesus, Jesus uses this term, fishers of men. Some of you might have heard it through the grapevine. I think I've already shared it with a couple of you this morning. I can't help it. But to say that I was a fisherman. I still like to fish, but it's not my identity anymore. It's actually part of my own story of coming to faith in Jesus Christ. God used the hobby and ultimate profession of fishing to bring me to Himself. You see, the idea behind fishing is to know the fish that you're looking for. To know where it lives and the best time to go fishing so you can catch it. You have to do your homework. You have to prepare Know what bait to use. Know what equipment to use. Because if you use poor equipment and don't put in the time to prepare, you probably won't catch anything. Some of y'all, I, I see some faces like, oh, I, yeah, I, I'm a fisherman, I get it. Just as we need good equipment to catch fish, we need to properly be equipped to be fishers of men. One thing we can do as Christians is to put on the whole armor of God as we fish for men, especially the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Arthur Mark Twain said, I like this, he's a secular writer now. He said, do not tell fish stories where the people know you. But particularly, don't tell fish stories where they know the fish. Where... They know the fish, right? Jesus knew the disciples. He knew his audience. He knew their lost condition. Just like the fishermen know the fish, he, the disciple must know the sinning, sinner that they're casting the net to, that they're, they're sharing the gospel with, they're sharing God's word with. Jesus knew what it would take for his disciples to be willing to follow him. Jesus called them to put down their nets. To walk away from that and follow Him. Jesus knew which fish belonged to Him when He casted the net. And what did they do? What did they do? They were willing to leave it all and to serve Jesus Christ alone. Again, this net being referred to is the gospel. This casting. What are we, what are we throwing out there? We're, we're throwing out the message of repent and believe. To be a fisherman, we must cast out. We must throw a line and sling the net. Proclaim the gospel message of repentance and belief in Christ alone. Once the disciples in this text heard the message, they were willing to leave their professions, leave their possessions, and even their Families, their father behind, as the text says. When I was discipled in the early stages of being a Christian, 
My pastor said to me, you know, there's probably nothing I could say to you about a fish that swims around here that you don't know. You're like, yeah. There's probably no bait that you don't know about that, that'll catch that fish. No uh, line or rod and reel or technique that I could, you know. All of the things to catch a fish, I could probably ask you, and you would, you would probably be able to answer that. And you're kind of ashamed a little bit. I was like, yeah, that's the useless knowledge kind of that I have. And he said, well, guess what? That is how you need to know God's word, to be a fisher of men. That statement changed me. And thirdly, Jesus calls the obedient in verse 20. He said, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately left. That's hard to wrap our minds around that they were, they were just willing to do this. The text says, in verse 20, they left. Referring to the disciples, they were willing to leave everything behind. I keep talking about this fisherman thing, right? But some of you may know some fishermen. Some of you may be a fisherman. You know, it's hard to get them to leave the fishing spot, right? It's hard to get a fisherman to leave something like that. When I was growing up, my mother would yell across the road to me to come home. You see, her definition of dark was a little bit different than my understanding. So we, she had things to say about it. Most, of, most fishermen get up before dawn. They sometimes drag a boat many miles to the fishing spots. They put the boat in. They take it out. They launch here. They launch there. They drive like maniacs across the lake. You know, they paddle here. They troll there. Some deal with the ocean. They have tides that come up and down to deal with. They heave long, heavy nets, run long lines with hooks that can grab you and yank you over to the side of the boat. And then they wait and they drag nets sometimes with heavy fish, turtles and logs, and it's dangerous. It's, there are sharks in the ocean, turtles in our rivers. Some people take fishing to the extreme. Some take people fishing for money as a guide like I did. It's long days of hard work and worry. The reason why I'm being very articulate about what this is is because I'm trying to paint a picture of what these fishermen were doing daily and what it looked like for them to be a fisherman like this and how hard it was. But there's something about this that gets in your blood as a fisherman. There's a sense of gratification when big fish come in the boat and brought in for others to see and when this is your career it can be consuming and become your identity. There's something about seeing a sunrise every day over a body of water, a, a connection between you and God's creation. There's a feeling of accomplishment when the right bait is used to catch this fish you're after. And in this encounter with Jesus, keeping all of this in mind, what did these men decide to do? They left their nets. They left all they ever knew. They left what they loved to do. They left all the countless hours spent to learn their craft of catching fish. They left it in instant, in an instant, to follow Christ. Because Jesus simply said, 
follow me. As a fisherman, this is hard to do. This is all they know. This is all I knew before Christ. It was hard for me to put down that and follow Jesus. It was hard for me to turn away from a boat that I worked hard for. Literally dying to everything else is hard to do in our own strength. But when the King of Heaven calls, we follow. But it's worth it. It's worth it to follow Christ. Because in Christ there is forgiveness of sin. And more importantly, there is eternal life. And we get to spend it with Him. Here we are talking about fishermen. But this could be said of anything we are doing. You could have been cutting. They could have been cutting trees. They could have been farmers. Matthew was a tax collector. My pastor was, he worked in a print shop before being called to preach and pastor the local church. And I was just like them, these men, a simple and even dim-witted person. But you see, the significance is not in the fact that they were fishermen. The significance was in the fact they were willing to leave everything else. To follow Christ. They recognized eternal life is more valuable than the temporal things of this life. The original writers of the text desire for us to see that that this was not easy for them. But it was required of them. They counted the cost and they followed Jesus. A pastor friend of mine that I see often... He says this to me when we share about the ministries that we're doing, the things of this life. He says, much was given, so much is required. And we read in verse 20 again, and it says, And going on from there, they left, they left the fishing hole they, that they loved. The disciples put down their nets. They, they left their boats behind, and off they go to follow. In literal terms, God in the flesh... The King of Heaven. For me personally, God showed me that, that my boat was nothing more than an idol that could not save. And within six months after being born again, I sold it. Couldn't stand to look at it anymore because I knew it was a sin that consumed my life. Turned from it and started to follow Jesus. That's why this text is so important to me that I'm sharing Is there something in your life that has a hold of you? Is there something in your life that needs to be released of? A sin turned away from. An idol that needs to be let go. Jesus said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. And lastly, this fourth point is a question for each of us. Are you faithful to God's call? He called, they followed. Verse 21 and 22. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. These men were minding their own business. 
doing their business of fishing, and God interrupted their lives. This is what you could call a divine interruption. Are you here today and in yourself, you need a divine interruption reminding you of the importance to be a disciple maker? Are you here today and, and you don't have a relationship with Christ, the King of Heaven? Our God makes no mistakes. He is sovereignly appoints times and places for, for us to be certain places. And me being here this morning is, is, is no mistake or no scheme of man. This could be very well that divine interruption for you. The message is the same for you as it was the disciples. Follow me, Jesus said. This is not a, one of those I'll do it later kind of calls. It's, it's what you would say is a, it's a now call. When Jesus called the first disciples, again, what, what happened? Verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Has God been calling out to you lately and you know that you need to respond? Is there sin in your life that needs an interruption? These men responded to the call of God to follow him. The question remains is will you respond to the one who calls? They were not seeking after God. They were, they were chasing a fish. Romans chapter 3, verses 11 through 12 reminds us that no one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. worthless. No one does good, not even one. The Apostle Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A few chapters later he says that the wages of sin is death. As a, this, is, this is what you would call the bad news, right? But for us to understand the good news of the gospel, we must first understand our sin nature and hear what the bad news is before we can understand really what this good news of the gospel is. It's good news. It's the best news that God looked upon us, a hopelessly sinful and rebellious creation, and made a way of salvation for us. God gives, gives us this freely as a gift that we cannot earn it. It is by grace that we receive this salvation by faith alone. In Jesus Christ alone. The Apostle Paul further says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. God called, they followed. They left their nets and immediately followed Jesus. And you can do the same. You can call out to God if you have not and be reconciled to Him. If this is you right now and you need to tell someone that God is working in your life, there are people here to help you. There are people here to pray with you. You have a pastor that loves you and would be excited to know that today was the day of salvation that you called out to the King of Heaven. Said, I'm a sinner and I need saving. If you need to tell someone 
Don't leave this place without calling out to Christ. Believers, this is not a one-time and done decision for us. In this process of sanctification, we are dying to self daily, actively repenting and turning to Christ. And just like these disciples, Christ is calling us daily to follow Him and do it in obedience. And I would say, if again, if there's anyone here today that has not called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can call out to Him and be saved. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank You that you have sent your one and only son to die on the cross in place of our sin. That he was buried and that he rose three days later. And he was seen by Cephas and, more, and the apostles and more than 500 before he ascended to your right hand, Father. And your word tells us if we believe this to be true, if we would only repent and believe this to be true, turning from sin and trusting in your Son, Jesus Christ, alone that we can be saved. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here today that does not know you as Lord, that today would be that day of salvation, that they would trust in you, that they would look back in time in the calendar and say, that was the day that you reconciled me to yourself. I pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We hope this sermon has been a blessing to you today. If you have any questions about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you through our church Facebook page, email, or by calling the church office.